Welcome to This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. This is the podcast edition of this week's show. If you would like to watch the video of this week's show, head over to our website at twilighttv.org. To learn more about all the stories you hear in this episode, you can visit that same website, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Kristen Oates-White. Thank you for joining us for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, the only TV show bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together every week. Well, rice harvest is underway in Louisiana, and despite the hot and dry weather we've had in Louisiana, the crop is looking pretty good. Rice farmers need a good crop this year as they've been struggling for quite some time. This week, Twyla's Neil Malanson shows us how one farm family in Acadia Parish is bringing in a good crop, but facing strong headwinds in agriculture. As the combines are rolling across his fields, Mike Garber is seeing how his rice crop is faring in this heat. He says what he's seeing looks a little better than average, even though this area went almost two months without rain. We've got good ground conditions for harvest right now. We've got you know good weather conditions, really, um, other than the excessive heat is still a little bit of a concern for you know overall grain quality, milling quality, but. We won't know what that looks like for at least another couple of weeks, you know, till we can dry the rice and stabilize it. The rice markets are down a bit from last year, while costs have improved slightly or remained the same, according to Farm Bureau rice marketing specialist Mark Tall. Well, last year uh, we started out at $27 a barrel, so we're definitely a dollar less than we were last year. But we also had a difference in the amount of rice being planted. Uh, in 22-23 crop season versus 23-24. Like this road, the weather has divided Garber Farms, which also grows beans and sweet potatoes. Without more timely rains, soybean yields will likely take a hit, Garber said. It, it was a pretty good start uh, this spring. Um, naturally, the summer's been, you know, a hotter than usual. We've had above average temperatures, so that's a little bit of a concern. Garber Farms doesn't rely on double cropping on rice. Instead, they focus on sweet potatoes. This field is looking good in spite of the heat, but the industry itself does not. In fact, it's the worst it's been in decades, according to Mike's dad, Wayne Garber. There, there is no doubt that the uh, economic landscape that we're looking at today and the, and the lack of profit potential is challenging the risk-reward ratio to a point where it's very discouraging uh, to look at long-term plans around this, these crops. Still, the Garbers are determined to keep on farming. Mike says they'll keep their rotation alive as long as possible. I don't see it because, you know, for with the infrastructure that we have built here, you know, I, I think as long as we're farming here, you know, we're always going to gonna you know have sweet potatoes uh, in our program we we may need to get smaller in the future you know because of some of those challenges um, but I don't I don't see getting away from them completely. In Acadia Parish, ripe rice fields like this one are a natural site, but so at one time were sweet potatoes, and they're down statewide from 25,000 acres to 5,000 in the last 10 years. Rice is losing ground too, and part of that is the cost of transportation. Now, if rice and sweet potatoes and other crops disappear from these fields, they'll still be at the grocery store, but that cost of transportation and other costs will be passed on to you. Reporting from Acadia Parish, I'm Yoma Lawson. Rice harvest is somewhere around 25% complete in Louisiana. The dry conditions have helped speed the harvest along in many areas of South Louisiana as well. 
While summertime is typically when children are excited to escape the classroom and enjoy time outside with their friends and hobbies. However, that doesn't mean the learning has to stop. This week, Twyla's Carl Wiggers takes us to St. Helena Parish, where folks are getting hands-on with agriculture. Did you know that all these animals were in Louisiana? No. I never knew it was in Louisiana. Or did I say it right? I don't know. Riley Trout is learning a lot today at the St. Helena Ag Day. I learn a lot of animals and foots of animals. Well, those are important to learn. Nicholas Muse is an assistant area agent for the Southern University Ag Center. He helped put this day together for children just like Riley. It's bigger than just farming. It's bigger than just growing. It's, it's just all the basic needs to agriculture. Today we have some things such as composting. We also have livestock production for our kids. We want to show them that, okay, it's cool to um, bottle feed. It's cool to feed. It's cool to just take care of an animal. Also, we have some things such as drone flying. Are you flying that drone? Yeah, I sure am. That's important when it comes to just the technological things about your farm. You might want to fly over your farm, see where your cows are over hiding at. So um, we just have some things like that going on today. Another booth is all about forestry. That's where Whitney Wallace is teaching kids like Riley about the different footprints of wildlife that are found in Louisiana forests. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about leaf rubbins, some of the you know native trees here in Louisiana that they can make artistic creations out of, as well as being able to um, you know have a bigger awareness of wildlife in our area. And we're going to do that by casting molds and be able to come up with some tracks that they might be able to take home with them and be able to kind of have a little bit more interest and take that back with them. These children are surrounded by the timber industry, but few likely understand how crucial those trees are to the state's economy. So what we want to do is we want to be able to introduce those aspects to them and show them how much that is important to our state and be able to get them excited about it, hopefully create some career interest and just be able to let them know as they grow up it is vital to our state and we want to make sure that they're very much aware about it. It's one thing to learn from a book but experience is the best teacher in my opinion. When you can come out and, and put your hands on and, and get um, and have a hands-on experience, that's important because that goes a long way and kids will never forget about that. If you ask Riley, she clearly loved creating a mold of a deer hoof. It has like a heart shape. That's the moments whenever you, it makes it all worth it because you know you get to see them and uh, you know it, you make a difference at the end of the day. So flip it. In St. Helena Parish, I'm Carl Wiggers for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. The Southern University Ag Center hosted a similar field day in Northeast Louisiana last week. Also, you often hear me ask my coworkers when they come back from stories on set, what'd you bring me? And this week, Twyla's Carl Wiggers brought me a mold of an armadillo footprint that he made during a hands-on activity. Thanks, I guess, Carl. I guess it's better than an actual armadillo foot, so thank you for thinking of me. Well, Northeast Louisiana is a large part of the state's agricultural landscape. However, numerous communities within that same region are considered food deserts, which means many people cannot easily access fresh food by car or walking. Longtime educator Cecilia Stevens is using her expertise and new position at the LSU Ag Center to change that. Russell's going to count for us. Start at the end. There are four in each one, so we're going to count by fours. Four, eight, twelve. That's 44 fresh produce meals for individuals. My name is Cecilia Stevens with the LSU Ag Center. I'm a CDC hop agent, 
in the Northeast region and I'm a local food systems coordinator focusing on work in Madison, Morehouse, Tinsall and East Carroll parishes bringing healthier food and food access to our citizens of this region. I do a lot of research based on the programs that the citizens say that they need. An example of that is the Grow to Road to Share program, which developed when people began to call us and ask questions about what to do with all the extra produce they were growing during COVID. They wanted a way to uh, distribute that safely, and so we were able to research and write a program uh, that helps people use food safety protocol to collect donations and then funnel those into the charitable food system. I also work with farmers markets in our region, uh, doing training on best practices. We also work with the Go Shop Healthy program, which is healthy retail, helping people understand what are the better food choices they can make when they shop. In rural Northeast Louisiana, uh, we are literally in food deserts. If you look around where we are, that seems kind of a contradictory statement because we're also in the heart of production country for foods in our area. But in terms of people having access to those foods, the food desert means they are more than one walkable mile uh, from an area that sells retail food, particularly fresh produce. And by walkable mile, we mean an area that's got sidewalks and actual access to those areas. So our work is very strongly motivated to get those local foods back into the communities where they're grown. And it's also an economic benefit because you're keeping those dollars within the same parish and the same food system. The Grower Road to Share has three workable components. That is the agent who decides to implement the program in their parish and building the collaborations. It's a very collaborative program within the extension service uh, between 4-H, A&R, and horticulture agents. So that's very important for us to, to make those collaborations. And then in the community, you have two parts. You have your gardeners who are growing and who have the extra things that they want to share with the charitable food system. And then you have your distribution partners. What I find uh, most enjoyable are the days that I do get to get out in the field, the days I get to go out to uh, help a community garden volunteer get their garden set up or help them to collaborate with someone in A&R or another area of the Ag Center to answer their problems that they're having with their gardens. Uh, my involvement goes way back. In high school I was a 4-H'er and I was a state 4-H president. So uh, when I actually went to college I thought I was going to become a 4-H agent. I, that was my, my goal majoring in education. Uh, that changed a little bit. I became a high school English teacher before coming to work at uh, the LSU Ag Center later on. I've been a home gardener for years and uh, tried to sell at some points at the food market. I've been a volunteer with the charitable food system. And so when the job was advertised, it really hit all the things that were interesting to me as an individual. And to be able to tie that into my work has been very fulfilling. To learn more about Stevens and her local food systems work, visit our website at twilatv.org. Well, there's some sweet news about bees, and it's not just about honey. This week, Twyla's Trevor Williams takes us to a bee rescue yard trying to help the little insects that have such a big effect on us every day. Standing behind me are hundreds of colonies of bees here at the Bird and Garden and Museums. Some rescued, some relocated, but all heroes. The Bird and Museum and Gardens have research facilities on crop pollination and bee resilience. The Louisiana Beekeepers Association works closely with the USDA Bee Lab in Baton Rouge to ensure the health and safety of our honeybees. President of the Capital Area Beekeepers Association, Kevin Langley, says if you enjoy eating, you should thank the honeybees. If you take the 100 food crops that feed the world, the UN says that bees pollinate about 70% of those. If you walk into a grocery store, one-third of the, of the the fruit and produce section is pollinated by bees. The USDA Bee Lab is the oldest bee lab in the country. Coming up on their centennial, their mission is to spread awareness so that people know that honeybees play a critical role in pollinating our crops. 
Research molecular biologist Kate Eiley says that bees are vital to food production. Honeybees provide pollination services to a lot of different farmers. Some farmers keep, you know, small um, uh, numbers of colonies for themselves, but a lot of them, you know, either lease land or let beekeepers put their hives or pay for the beekeepers to put their hives in their land to increase the crop yield, increase the quality of their crops. Warren Hogue raises bees himself. He says Farm Bureau is interested in raising the next generation of beekeepers. We need a lot more beekeepers to produce our own honey here. Instead of bringing it in, and we don't know whether or not it's adulterated or what, what they use in their beekeeping practices. We need a lot more beekeepers. Just like Farm Bureau works together to raise up new beekeepers, honeybees work together to take care of their queen, themselves, and their environment. Jennifer Brown, who is a former president of a local Louisiana Beekeepers Association, thinks that humans can learn a lot from our little honeybee friends. They work. They have a time for play, they have a time for rest, but the biggest thing uh, I think is the biggest take home is they all work for the good of the whole. And if our society would start uh, looking at their behavior, their relationships with each other to be beneficial to the good of the whole, then I think we could learn a lot from them. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I'm Trevor Williams for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. Now, if you'd like to learn more about honeybees or beekeeping, you can find a link on our website at twilatv.org for more information. Still to come on Twyla, what does it take to master a craft? There's a program to become a master farmer. We tell you about that after the break. Stay with us. The Louisiana Master Farmer Program has a legacy of success in teaching farmers best management practices. Training the next generation of instructors is also important as well. LSU Ag Center reporter Craig Gotro shows us how these new employees are ensuring Louisiana's farming future. The Louisiana Master Farmer Program helps agricultural producers voluntarily address environmental issues and keep their farming operations sustainable. To become a certified master farmer, participants must complete three phases, which is a big commitment for the producer. And it's a lengthy process. They have dedicated a lot of time, a lot of energy, um, finances, and things like that to implement the practices on their entire farming operation. The most challenging component is the third phase, which requires the development of a resource management system plan. Farmers work with the Natural Resources Conservation Service to create the plan. The NRCS provides that technical assistance to write the conservation plan, work with the producer, and, and work their goals into the property as well as any kind of compliance issues that may need to be addressed. A training session for new NRCS employees was held to help explain Master Farmer and the vital role the organization plays in the program. And NRCS is critical in certifying producers and landowners. Without them, without the conservation plan, these, these producers and landowners can't get certified. The meeting allowed new NRCS employees to see how important it is to work with farmers with the resources NRCS has available to aid producers. Whether it's just starting a simple fence or just doing a simple cover crop, then it's my job to make sure I implement that plan so that customer can have a value relationship with me in the near future. Nearly 4,000 farmers have completed at least one phase of the program, with 370 being certified master farmers. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. 
The Master Farmer Program includes not only row crops, but also poultry, cattle, crawfish, and other livestock operations. To learn more about the program, visit our website at twilatv.org. Still to come on Twyla, what's in store for the next 100 years of the state's largest general farm organization? We have the answer coming up. Stay with us. Last year, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation celebrated 100 years of serving Louisiana's farmers and ranchers. But after a century of service, what's in store for the future of the organization? In this week's Twyla Boost, we show you how Louisiana Farm Bureau will continue to move forward as the voice of Louisiana agriculture for the next 100 years. One hundred years of serving Louisiana agriculture. One hundred years of shaping policy and advocating for issues that impact Louisiana's farmers, ranchers, and rural communities. One hundred years of sharing the stories of how food and fiber is grown in Louisiana. One hundred years of helping farm families through disasters. 100 years of growing the next generation of ag leaders on the farm and in the classroom. 100 years of serving as the unified voice for Louisiana agriculture. Farm Bureau has been vital for us, um, and not only for us, but for every, everybody involved in agriculture. To be able to, us be, to stay on farm and do what we need to do day to day, and knowing that there's somebody else out there that's, that's pushing for us and fighting for us, you know, occasionally we get called in to, you know, be that voice that this is our problem and this is what we, you know, what we need. But for the most part, Farm Bureau as a whole is there for us doing that. Farm Bureau helps me to be more, more aware of policy, of uh, things that will affect my farm and farming operation in the future. You know, it's a good feeling knowing that you have that backbone that's always there helping, especially with the lobbying and different bills and policies in government. They definitely do a good job of providing that support. Farm Bureau helps us in our operation because they're always there if we need anything. And having that total transparency as well as somebody to actually talk to that will listen to the issues has always been a great thing from Louisiana Farm Bureau. I'm a Farm Bureau member because Farm Bureau cares about the farmers. They basically advocate for us whenever we have troubles and they advocate for us when things are going good. Farm Bureau is always in the front to help protect farmers, period. I think the single best aspect of being a Farm Bureau member is just the relationships that you build. The ability to network and communicate with others around us um, it has given us a great pool of resources in the form of the farmers and ranchers in our community, such as when we decided to take this leap into sugarcane. You know, we had a built-in supply of people that we could go to for advice within our Farm Bureau family. If it would have been for the relationships that we've made in Farm Bureau, I wouldn't be selling beef direct to the consumer. My wife wouldn't be, she wouldn't have a flower farm because that idea came, she brought that idea up at, at convention and everybody was like, hey, you really need to let her do this. So I would be in a whole different world right now if it wouldn't have been for that. I feel like there's always somebody there in your community, whether it's somebody that you need help 
and you can call a friend or you have a legislative issue, they're there, just anything. I love the community Farm Bureau offers. We enjoy spending time with each other. We have the same conversations. We have the same mishaps that happen so we can all relate to each other. I just wish more people understood that it is a big family. Our kids are involved. Your kids can be involved too. It's, it's not so structured that it's miserable. It's so much fun. It's like going to a family reunion. A lot of people I only see once a year that are, and that's at Farm Bureau Convention. Uh, I may talk to them quite often several times a year, but I think the single best aspect is the family that we've become over the years that we've been involved. It's like a, you know, a, a social every time we have a meeting, and I feel like that's probably my favorite aspect of it, because I feel like I can bring my own family, my own kids to these meetings and help, help get them involved in what we're trying to accomplish as well. Growing, helping, shaping, serving. These are a part of the fabric of our organization, but the future beckons. The challenge looms large. Where do we go from here? How do we embrace the future and honor the past? This is the challenge for the future of Farm Bureau. When I think of the next, you know, the next hundred years of Farm Bureau, I hope to see the same thing we've got now, except better. My vision of the next hundred years is an organization that's working for farmers and ranchers across the state representing them in Baton Rouge and in Washington, growing our membership and adding value to our membership for our members. I hope that Farm Bureau continues to grow as far as being inclusive to all farmers, making sure everybody has a voice. There's so many different types of crops and commodities that everybody should be heard. In the next 100 years, I see Farm Bureau continuing to strive to make a difference and be the voice of Louisiana agriculture and really pushing education towards those who need to understand how farmers and ranchers work every day to produce the foods and fibers that they use. The single best asset of being a Farm Bureau member is unity. And if we all stick together as one, there's no way we can fail. I think I still see Farm Bureau just as strong as it is now, especially with the leadership we have involved. Right now, and the young people coming up, I really think it's, it's here to stay. I still see that they're going to be the voice of farmers and ranchers across the country in years and years to come. The next 100 years of Louisiana Farm Bureau begins now. I am a mother. I am a father. I am a farm wife. I am a fifth generation farmer and the sixth is on the way. I'm a young farmer and rancher. I am a sugarcane farmer. I'm a farmer, but I'm also a consumer. I'm a florist. I'm a crop fisherman. I'm a mechanic. I'm an author. I am an educator. I'm a steward of the land. I'm a leader. I'm a support system. I am the next 100 years. I am the next 100 years. I am the next 100 years of Farm Bureau. I am 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 Farm Bureau. We are Farm Bureau.
That does it for this edition of Twyla. Be sure to join us next week when we'll show you how people who lived in Louisiana 13,000 years ago depended on agriculture to survive. Until then, you can watch all of our stories online at twilatv.org and be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all of these stories and more on our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe and turn on the notifications so you know exactly when we put out new content. For all of us here at Twyla, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you again right here next week. like to watch the video form of this episode of Twyla, head over to our website at twylatv.org. You can also find all the information related to all the different stories in this episode at that website. Again, that's twylatv.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.